And here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure. What you have in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, is a treasure. In earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. The contrast between the two is amazing. You have the perfection of God, and you have the imperfection of this vessel, man. And yet, he chooses to place himself in us. So the glory and the excellence of the power is attributable to him, not of us. So, Father, we are privileged. The work of the cross of Jesus brings us to the point now where having stepped over that line, we are going to grow and develop and mature. You love us. You want us to move forward on that timeline of maturing. You want to develop the character of your son in us. So, as the one designated to speak your truth today, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. And watch this in Matthew chapter number 22. Then one of them, a lawyer, figures, right? Asked him a question, testing him, testing Jesus and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Of course, there was intent there to trap Jesus. But Jesus said to him, Boy, he doesn't hesitate. He just speaks. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you get nothing else in the word of the Lord, Jesus said... If you do these two, you will fulfill the scripture. That's a pretty astonishing statement, summing up the embodiment of scripture in these statements that Jesus made. Love God with all, nothing less than all. Love your neighbor. So here we are, we have this treasure from my text. In the word, it speaks of the great house of the Lord. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. That's an interesting statement that Paul makes to a young pastor. We are these vessels. This is his great house. And he said, wherever you have a group of people assembled, a crowd, there are various types of vessels. Vessels of honor... Vessels of dishonor, vessels of gold, vessels of silver. And there is a progression, vessels of wood and clay. So there is a progression from clay to gold. I've even met some styrofoam vessels. (laughs) Nevertheless, they're in the house. And there are people who don't attend church because they've discovered that in church, everyone is not perfect. When they found out everyone in church wasn't perfect, they got messed up. Then they walked out and thought everyone was supposed to be perfect. 
The word does not make that assumption. The church is not full of perfect vessels. It's filled with crackpots. <laughs> vessels in the shaping and in the making. People are not perfect. I know this is deep, but born again people are not perfect. Say, I have a treasure inside of me. Now, the amazing truth here is that God placed a heavenly treasure inside of an earthen vessel. Wow. Now, that's good news, and it's also bad news. Say, I have a heavenly treasure, but I have an earthen vessel. So if you don't approach church and people with this understanding... And this comprehension. See, the treasure is the potential. The treasure is what God programmed into you. He wrote the book of your life before you were born. God planned your life. He has good plans for you. So the treasure is what God has planned for you. The amazing potential God wired into each of us. And in that, he also included the manifestation of the revelation of the cross of his son Jesus that brings us to this point of redemption that makes us eternally valuable to him. The amazing potential. But that potential is surrounded and buried in earth, flesh. And if you don't see the varied timelines of the development and maturity in believers, you can get disillusioned and not understand or comprehend why you see imperfect people. It's a progression. And the progression is measurable. You should be able to watch over time the progression of development in the life of a follower of Jesus. From clay to wood to silver to gold. And that's why you observe people in churches. Occasionally, they've been in church for decades. And they act out like a new believer. And you go, really? Not growing, not maturing not filling up the new reservoir with God's truth, but still defaulting back to the old one of that old nature. It's kind of like your children in their development. When I taught my children how to ride a bike, we always knew they were going to fall. I mean, you have to know that, right? So I'd start them out with training wheels near grass. (laughs) And when they started to find their balance, I would move them to the driveway, the concrete. (laughs) Sooner or later, we got it over with. Because the child is going to fall. They're going to get scraped. Band-aids are going to be needed. Now, if your child is in Little League and you think your child's not going to get hit with a baseball playing that sport, don't let them play, okay? This is not foo-foo league. You're going to get, you're going to get smacked. Don't be shocked. It's going to happen. Little bitty's going to be bruised and strained a little bit. When I was teaching Pastor Michael to catch and play baseball, occasionally I would throw him a split-fingered fastball. He'd catch it in the center of his glove and yell, Ah! Okay, I got it over with. Okay, get them used to it now. This is what's going to feel like when you get hit. And you're going to get hit. And if you think your child is going to compete in sports and never come home with a bruise or a strain or a tear... Sooner or later, that's going to happen. You don't progress from toddler to childhood along the learning curve without falling. They're going to hit the edge of the table. They're going to bust their lip. 
They're going to get a knot on their head. They're going to fall. And it's going to happen. So why do you lose it when that happens in your family? That's why there are butterfly stitches. Stitches were here before you were. I had a few in my lifetime. (laughs) There are ice packs. There are splints. Two of my fingers spent some time in those. And the premise, when you're born again, you begin a journey to discipleship and maturity. You're not going to be delivered instantly from humanity's predispositions. There are things in that reservoir that are going to be with you until you pass into the next world, into eternity. They're part of that reservoir. That old nature is still there. The old nature is corrupt. The old nature cannot be not corrupt. It's always corrupt. And as long as you fall back into that reservoir, you will act that way out. So, but now you become a follower of Jesus, and you should be filling a new reservoir completely from, from the word of the Lord. So if you think overnight, you're never going to ever deal with the old reservoir. You need to change the perception because the battle will join every single day. Being born again does not mean the old reservoir is emptied. The flesh man is still with you every day. And if the concept of being a Christian right out of the box, you know, is unrealistic, you're going to live a life of disappointment and frustration. Maturity and development is the goal. Progression. Clay, wood, silver, gold. And learning to subdue the old nature by allowing the new man in Christ to grow stronger every day until he is overwhelmingly more powerful than the old man. And as long as you have this treasure in an earthen vessel, an earthly vessel, not the new heavenly vessel that awaits us, the old man still lives and must be crucified daily. You will never get so deep in God that never does temptation come your way. There's still a flesh man that gets up with you every day. And you will deal with that flesh man as long as you are in an earthen vessel. Because the treasure is in an earthen vessel. And Paul had this same journey. He was called to the third heaven. I mean, angels spoke to him. And he had visions while he was in heaven. Revelation came to him. So let me ask you, how are you doing on that part of your journey? Are you writing a new epistle? Because he got to write nearly half of them, if not more of them. Yet Paul said, I've got this thorn in my flesh, and I've prayed three times to the Lord, and and I have all this treasure, so please remove this constant buffeting of the adversary. And God said to Paul, as long as you live, you will battle. But my grace is sufficient for your life. So I'm not preaching loose living here. I'm not preaching greasy grace, which has made a revival. It's nothing new. It was around a long time ago. It's back again. It tells you you can do whatever you want to do and don't worry about it. The first time you repented, it was covered. So go on and live any way you choose. That's not what the Scripture teaches. That's an aberration of Scripture. That being said, this treasure is in an earthen vessel. And when the lawyer asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the whole of the law of God, do this, don't do that, can be summed up in these principles. When you've, when, you've, when you've done these things, you fulfill the law and the prophets. And what is that? Jesus said, love your God with all. Love your neighbor. Sounds like just a couple of principles. 
Then he gives the third, direction, third directive, and love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you can never love anyone else. The reason some people are so mean-spirited, they don't love themselves. And if you're not at peace with yourself, you're not going to be at peace with anybody. You're always going to be in battle. So when you come to church, there are various stages of disciples, all in development, under construction. Nobody walked in here today with a halo. Did you notice? No one has ever been translated out of Calvary Christian Center like Enoch or Elijah. Everybody is still on the journey. And where are you on the journey? Clay, wood, silver, or gold? We're all vessels. We all have treasure. And we all have hmm, clay. Hmm, Baggage. Here's how it works. A man has to purge himself from these before he becomes a vessel of honor or meat for his master's use. To be purged. And purged from what? Paul wrote, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, see that old nature? Now you got, you got a new nature, but you got this old one. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. That kind of throws the greasy grace thing out the back door, doesn't it? Every vessel must be fit for its master's use. Everyone in the church whom God approves must be devoted to the master's service and prepared and readied, sanctification progressively happening, It's the heart of our preparation for every good work. The work of the Holy Spirit applying the Word of God to sanctify our lives. The tree root must be made good. And the fruit then becomes good. And the soil must be changed that it's been planted in. And now you're growing nutrients from new soil. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So Jesus teaches an entire lesson in one sentence there. And say this, everyone has a treasure and everyone has a field. (laughs) And if you're going to grow in God, mature to a vessel of honor, there must be successful relationships. That's part of God's family. To have successful relationships in the body of Christ, think with me, will you be a treasure hunter or a field inspector? Because the treasure is hidden in the field. And the field is dirt. And either you're going to focus on being a field inspector, worrying about the dirt and the earth, or you're going to focus on the treasure, the potential that God has placed in the vessel. And it looks like it's, is it one or is it the other? You're going to be a treasure hunter or a field inspector? Now watch how this answer develops as you look at the scripture. That applies to your mate, by the way. Are you going to be a treasure hunter or a field inspector? Your children. Are you going to be a treasure hunter or a field inspector? Your parents. A treasure hunter or a field inspector? You will only have successful relationships if you accept the truth. They're all moving in God's timing, 
progressing from clay to gold. The treasure God placed in them for development is hidden in the field. And you cannot have one without the other. In the body of Christ, everyone has a treasure and everyone has a field. And this is where relationships start to fall apart for some. You know, you're dating somebody, you have a great date, and you come back thinking, I found a treasure. Oh, what a treasure. And you see them only as a treasure, and you don't want anyone to tell you you didn't get a treasure. But reality is you also got a field. (laughs) And if you check out your spouse, you'll know that that's true, right? The treasure is hidden in the field. You stumbled on the treasure, and you fell in love with the treasure, But know this about marriage and any other relationships in the family of God. With followers of Jesus, there's a treasure and there's a jar of clay. And if you're one of these people who only wants to see and have treasure only, you're going to be in for disillusionment and disappointment. So you see nothing but the treasure when you're dating. You walked all through their mess to get to the treasure and never noticed the briar patch. Never noticed the mud. Never noticed the dirt. All you saw was the treasure. Then you got married. And now you don't want to deal with the field. And then you got a revelation. That man has some acreage. (laughs) Just look straight ahead. Just eyes forward, everybody. People come to church. They love church. They're all part of Calvary Christian Center. They get involved, and they they don't realize this is a field, okay? And I'm happy you love the treasure, but sooner or later, in the body, all the way to leadership, you discover it's not just treasure, there's a field. People at various stages of development, and you cannot ignore the field, nor can you ignore the treasure. You've got to look at both, because there's valuables in the treasure, and there's also reality in the field. And some have fields that are larger than others. Some have a treasure and Chernobyl, okay? It's toxic. So everyone comes to Jesus with some baggage in a reservoir, and some are more toxic than others. That's the way life has been lived, some more than others. But the most gifted person in the body of Christ still has a field. And covenant relationship is about buying the whole field. That means you don't just get to acquire the treasure. You acquire the briar patch. You get the trash heap. You get the broken beer bottles. You get the old mattress that was dumped. (laughs) Do they still pick those up? Uh, You get the weeds. You acquire the whole field. So when you say, I do, you better know what you're doing. (laughs) Okay, get a background check. Seriously, in the day in which we're living. We had to do an environmental study on this phenomenal 24-acre plot that we've gotten next door that God's going to help us build that new facility and campus on. Why do we have to get an environmental study over there? Not, well, they wanted money, for number one. But number two, something very toxic might be buried in that treasured field because it's a treasured field. And you don't want that to happen. You don't want toxicity 
because once you start building, you're stuck. So if you're going to be in a relationship with the body of Christ, not only do they have a treasure, they have a field. And it's measurable. You should measure the progress. You should see the progress. 20, 30 years later, there better be some progress here. Evaluate. Sometimes you just have to, you know, roll some stuff off and realize they're under construction here. But as long as you're breathing air, you're going to have to deal with the field. And not just one time. It's progressive. If you could crucify your old nature once and be done, you were dead, finally. If you only had to kill the weeds in your yard once and forever, but that's not how it works. Weeds have a way of coming back, don't they? The old nature sticks his head back up out of the casket and waves at you. You have to remember, love God with all. Love people, even those who deserve at least and expect at least. Now, wouldn't it be great if you could exercise once a week and be done, be over for the week? Why is it that fat grows faster than muscle? Why does that happen? Because we come into a world broken, and we have a field. And what should we do about the field? Well, here is the wisdom and the direction from God's Word. Break up your fallow ground. That's the field. It's hard. It's clay. It's been baked. It's dry. Break it up. You've got to go in there and crack it up. Turn it over. And do not sow among thorns. If you look and you see, you don't put the treasured seed in among the thorns. So what did Jesus teach about the sower? Sometimes there's stony ground, thorny ground, hard, packed ground. The flesh man has to be dealt with, broken up so that the word can get into that treasure and bring the fruit to bear that God intended. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So I'm teaching you today how to be a disciple, how to mature, how to grow, and not lose your mind when you see imperfection. (laughs) Some people act like they don't need this, but I'm promising you in life, people are going to disappoint you People are going to hurt you. You will disappoint people, and you will hurt people. And if you don't see one another realistically, there's a beautiful treasure, but there's some dirt. And in putting God first, you gain perspective. And you show mercy, you show love, and you show forgiveness. And if you don't learn to do that, you become a religious quack that looks like a Quaker from the oatmeal box carrying around a big Bible, mean and bitter from offense. And I don't want to live like that. I won't compromise what I believe, but God has not issued his people a license to be mean-spirited. The word says, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. The truth must prevail, but always seasoned with mercy. And when the two are combined, iniquity is purged. I want Calvary Christian Center to be a church where there's truth, Mingled with mercy, where we love God, we love others, we love ourselves, a vessel under construction, and we live and love and lead like him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Wow. Now notice the focus of the verse is the treasure. So where do we focus more? Do you focus only on the treasure? No, it's not one or the other. 
You don't just focus on the treasure. That's what some are doing today, and it's called sloppy grace. Some only focus on the field. By the way, sloppy grace is just blind. It doesn't see the realities. And, 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 and some only focus on the field, and they're just fault finders and gossipers and critical and pick, pick, pick. Either singular focus is out of balance. But clearly when looking, we should focus on the treasure that the Holy Spirit is attempting to reveal where there's this progressive maturity and there's sanctification going on in the vessel. God has called us to be treasure hunters while keeping the field free from overgrowth and weeds and trash, making sure the field is as clean as we can keep it. When the baby comes home after being delivered, oh, he or she dropped right in out of heaven. And yeah, exactly. That's where you got the baby from. It's a treasure from God. Thank the Lord. Came with a field. It's called an old nature. Sin before, yeah, it was a part of the DNA spiritually. But when they turn 15, they're still just as much of a treasure with some more acreage added now. Okay. Just as valuable to you, just as much a gift. You get the treasure, but you're having to deal with the field that's been ever-growing. Don't lose sight of the treasure. Parents are a treasure from God to their children. But they also have a field. And we're not perfect. But we are further along on the road of progression and discipleship than you are. Or at least we should be. And we still need mentors, those who know more than we, been around longer than we, have more experience than we, and we still access them. And how many times have my wife and I looked at each other and said, if Papa or Mima were still here, they'd have a lot to say about this. Yeah. Parenting is about the hardest job there is on the, on the planet. Working in God's kingdom pastorally, full-time, is spiritual parenting. Very strenuous. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard work to be a successful parent. Children, look, and you will see the treasure in your parents, given that they have matured and are growing in their discipleship to Jesus. But we're working on sanctification, working on drying up the stagnant waters of an old reservoir. And one more point I want to make today. Today, when, when, when church plants are going on, and people are beginning new works, and they're believing that God sent them to a place... Often, not always, but often, this is the advice that's given to those planting. Quote, figure out what demographic you want to reach. The millennials go into those areas where they live and target what they like and what they don't like. What kind of a vibe do you need to draw them to your church? Interesting concepts. If they're planting in the inner city, there's a style you have to adopt. If it's to reach the upper middle class, you specialize and stylize your service. If it's to reach the lower middle class, yet another approach. And, and there's truth in, you know, in all those conceptuals related to helping identify people with your ministry and your calling. I understand that. But what's amazing to me about Calvary Christian Center are the words of Jesus. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels for threw the bad away. 
In a church like Calvary Christian Center, we have all manner, all manner. We have some wealthier than others. We have some unemployed, some struggling week to week, others who are entrepreneurs, and God's blessing them. We have Caucasian. We have black. We have Hispanic. We have Asian. We did not target demographics. We just decided to do what Jesus said. We cast the net, and whosoever will. And I'm glad I belong to a church called Calvary Christian Center. If everyone were like you, we wouldn't like our church, okay? If everyone was an elephant or a donkey or a libertarian, if everyone were the same color, if all were middle class or all dressed the same, we are all manner of fish. Why is that? Because we've learned something about Jesus. Jesus loves people. Period. Period. Makes no difference. He just loves them. And he'll take you from whatever level you are, whether you're clay or gold, whosoever will, let him come. Substance abuser, let them come. Addictive life issues, he will forgive. And catch this, he will deliver. And if you get into this house, God knows how to move you from clay to gold. We have to understand, to be the kind of church that understands, this isn't just for us like we're a club. But God loves people and isn't willing to let any of them perish but all come to repentance. So we don't implode when a new baby in the body of Christ messes up. We don't have a meltdown because a new Christian had a fall because babies slip and fall. The goal is to diminish the falls by growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord to become a golden vessel of honor. In simple language, to grow up. So we keep reaching and we keep loving because we all have this treasure as born-again believers and we all have this field. And if we begin to backstab and if we begin to get critical, and if, I'm not suggesting we lower the bar. I'm not suggesting we don't hold the standard of the Word of God exactly as He stated it. Never misinterpret that about me. But the body of Christ at Calvary Christian Center should be a church with a net, capturing the hearts of all kinds of people who are lost and without Jesus. And by his power and the work of love in our lives, we take them from clay to wood to silver to gold, from dishonorable to honorable vessels, ones who are fit for the master's use. Quickly, I'll show you the progression of maturity. Paul writes to the pastor, young pastor. He said, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. Now watch. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, the ignoble, he will be an instrument of noble purposes made holy useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. 
don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And then he says to the pastor, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Wow. So we move from clay, from the field of dirt and trash, to the revelation of the treasure placed in us by God for kingdom purposes. And when we are maturing and progressing on that journey with Christ, watch the results because they're going to come trials and they're going to come tests and they're going to test to see if you go back to your default old position and the trials are going to push you and pressure you. And here's how you should be responding. We now have this light shining in our hearts. That's the treasure. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear from that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. In other words, you can see through this clay, cracked, messed up vessel, you can see the glory of the Lord start to shine out of that. And for what he's done in our lives. We ought to jump to our feet today and lift our voices in our hands and say, I thank you, Lord.